Welcome to this episode of the Pocket Money Podcast, the series where we chat to parents all about kids and their money. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Kilby, and in this episode, I'll be chatting to mum of three, Keely, all about chores and bribery. Today, I'm joined by Keely, who is a mum of three and is joining me to talk about, I think, something that's really relevant to lots of families in the, in the UK, pocket money. And, and whether children have to do anything to earn pocket money. This is a bit of a, well, it's certainly a hot topic in my house. So, Keely, thank you for joining me today. And perhaps you can um, just explain a bit about your family, set up who's in the house and, and what you do about this issue of pocket money. Hi, thank you, Elizabeth. Yes, so we have three little ones, three infants. I've got a, a nine-year-old, six-year-old and a four-year-old. So, um, it's never a dull moment in this house. Um, no. When it comes to pocket money, it's it's quite a challenge, to be fair. Um, however, we did use, we do use, should we say, a marble jar in order yeah. to try to get the behaviours that uh, I would like to see, really. So that's really interesting because it's quite a wide age range, yours. And I'm yeah. assuming that they have, well, different capabilities of the sorts of things that they can do, but also a different level of interest in money as a, as a, as a thing that might motivate them. I mean, do you notice that across the sort of different age brackets of the children? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. I notice it a lot more for Violet, who's nine, because she's learned money at school, um, had the actual pictures of physical money um, and see what that looks like and then knows oh, if you've does sums with it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she's had to play with it and touch it, if it and, and feel the money and to understand the value and what that would link to. Uh, but Walter, who's four, he's not got, he's not got a clue, really. He knows that the marble jar is just something that his sisters do, really, and that I try to engage him with to um, to get some some good behaviour. I'm really interested in this this um, this strategy. So, kind of talk me through it because I, I think I'm going to pick up some tips here, and it certainly be useful if I can share it with other families. So, how does the marble jar system work? So we set up an empty marble jar and then get lots of marbles in a nice little box. They're all shining and glistening and they want these marbles. Um, And in order to fill the jar up, you fill the jar up with a marble, you get £10. And then we empty it again, you empty it again, that's another £10. You fill it up again, you get £10, you empty it again, you get £10. We did start off with building, and I think it was a rainy afternoon, to be honest with you, it it, kind of helped, Um, building charts. And then we stuck them up in the kitchen. And they got to decide, along with my direction, as to what would warrant getting a marble jar. Uh, Violet was quite good, the nine-year-old. She she was uh, a little bit more forthcoming with the ideas, um, such as, you know, I will eat all all my foods presented to me or just eat my breakfast. It broke it down a little Mm. bit more um, into those segments, whereas Joyce was like, I'll be good. (laughs) That's That's quite wide. That one. So I love this idea. So, so you kind of agree with them. What the, in your case, behaviours, or could it could it also be chores or tasks that you want them to do? Yeah, so definitely. So it's absolutely chores, chores as well. So it'd be cleaning the bedroom, making the bed in the morning. Um, I think another one was to help unload the dishwasher for Violet. Mm. Um, it, so it was very much so. But they would then forget to do it. So I would then have to remind them. Oh, do you want to get a marble um, in order to to fill your, your marble jar up? Yeah. 
And then once they've done this sort of task or the activity or the behavior that you want, they fill up the jar and then the jar can be exchanged for money. So there's kind of layers to this sort of reinforcement or motivation system. There's the the fun of filling the jar up, which is, you know, which is really, they're interested in it. I can imagine, I I do love a marble, so I think that would really appeal to me. And then um, once they've got that, they can transfer that into money. And then what do they do with the money? Because I thought this, this is a real kind of, you know, issue that parents wrestle with. If you're going to give children money, pocket money, well, two things, do they have to earn it or do they just get pocket money? That's one of the big debates. But also once they've got pocket money, are there rules around what they can spend it on? I mean, how, what do you do when they've got their £10? Oh, so for Violet, who's the who's the elder one, she's much more aware of the money, and and she will go round, uh, say the supermarket, and say, "Can I have that?" And I will go, um, "No, how much? You've only got ten pounds from your marble jar," um, and make suggestions to that. And then she would say, "Oh no, no, I've actually got another twenty pounds from Christmas or something, or from mm. my birthday that to it." And then so so it's a bit more pie in the sky and additions to, to it but yeah they they do they do decide what they want themselves and I think actually Violet last bought a guinea pig which Ooh. of course obviously was a decision that we all had to um come to yes. because it's not you don't just buy a guinea pig it's that is a commitment in itself uh, and, and and funnily enough that is something now that she gets marbles for actually is making oh. sure she looks after the guinea pigs um so it's learning to care for it. Uh, but Joycey would just, would just like Walter, would, would go around the supermarket and just pick up stuff and say, can I have that? And I'll just have to tell them no. But yeah, they do get to decide, I guess, what they want. But I don't want them to get any more plastic toys. Um, so it's very hard to stop them from getting those. This is the real tricky issue, isn't it? Because actually, if you're going to buy into the concept of of letting children have their own money, what you're also saying is they've got the decision-making power that goes with it. And I suppose my experience has been that we might make different choices or we might want them to make different choices with the money that's available. Do you know, I don't don't mind them making a few mistakes, though, because that's how you learn. So... um, once she's gone and got the guinea pig it's like well can I have this fancy hutch that goes with it it's like well you know that's 10 uh, marble jars in order to buy that hutch so what do we need to do now is look you know lower our expectations or start to work for something else that, that's that's brilliant isn't it because it's it in, in essence it's a it's a sort of salary system it's like a token economy you know there there is the possibility for them to earn marbles and they go in the jar and I and I suppose we, we kind of started off thinking about this idea of rewards versus bribes or, or kind of, I suppose, leverage is how I how I think about it. And, and the system that you've developed seems to be very reward based. So let, let me let me do the science for this. I love this bit. So a reward is something you get after you've done what's required. So, for example, I'm on a podcast. I need you to be quiet until I finished and then you can have a chocolate biscuit versus a bribe which comes first so i'll give you this chocolate biscuit please be quiet while i'm on the podcast trouble is if they aren't quiet i've already given them the biscuit they've already had what they wanted what's the motivation for them to keep trying to be quiet so the point is that the reward comes after because that's the leverage if you want this you're going to have to do that and that's exactly Mm. what the marble jar system is teaching them Mm. i never thought of it that way but you're right 
yeah, I, I think when we go to the supermarket as well, um, here I don't know whether this is a bribe or a reward. It, maybe it falls into the middle. Um, that Walter, in order to keep quiet, the four-year-old will go, I want to go down the toy aisle, toy aisle. And so he'll go down the toy aisle and he'll pick a car up and then he'll just moan and moan and moan and whinge and whinge and want to stay in the toy aisle. So I would then say, okay, well, you could have that toy. It's a car, a, a little car for a couple of pounds. Yeah. You can have that toy if if you're good for the rest of the journey. So he's holding on and, and clasping this toy and he's being quiet as he goes round. So I'm bribing him, but I'm also rewarding well, good behaviour. Absolutely. Well, no, I mean, it's like, um, I don't know. I mean, Keely, I'm making assumptions about our age here, but I don't know if you're old enough to remember Barbara Woodhouse. I think she talked to us yeah. a lot about management. She was the puppy trainer. And that image of her standing there holding a kind of biscuit treat at arm's length and a dog kind of sitting, quivering as it looked at the street. The street, the street. That, that is like optimum behaviour management. So he's got the car in his hand. He knows it's almost within his grasp. But to be his, it's got to leave the supermarket with him. And the only way that's mm. happening is if he manages beha his behaviour all the way around the supermarket. So that's like, you are like Barbara Woodhouse Supreme here because he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so tantalizingly close and he knows what he needs to do. And that's fantastic. So if you put it back, he, he's going to forget that connection with it. So by keeping it there and saying to him, well, I'm not going to take it home. I'm not going to pay for it unless you behave. Mm. I think that's a reward all day long. That is absolutely spot on. I love that. But it, it's about... I think it's a little bit like the marble jar. Sorry, I think it's a little bit like the marble jar because they see the marble jar and they can see it building up. It's not this intangible money in some virtual app somewhere they can see it there it gives them more of an incentive i think to to to, to get more Maybe. I think you're completely right. And one of the things that you know we know about children's development is that abstract things, things that they can't see or touch or feel, are much more difficult to grasp when they're younger. So they do need the constant reinforcement and and kind of visual cue of how they're doing. And when when things move, because so much of pocket money now can be done virtually, right? Children can have online accounts or apps or all of these things, but then it's one step removed. It's much more difficult for them to grasp. And I think you're completely right. Children need to see it to really understand it. Mm, we did try the virtual app um, account proposition and it, uh, it just didn't engage Violet. We thought we'd try it with her because she's older. But she would forget a password to log on and it just and we could even set up the chores or the tasks that she needs to complete like we did for the marble jar. She just didn't switch with it. She just didn't engage with it. And I think it was because she was out there on her own and also she couldn't see it as much. Yes. And whenever she saw her uh, siblings' marble jars, it was a little bit more of a, she wanted to beat them. So it was a competition then as well for her. So it just, just didn't work for us. It probably works wonderfully for others. It just doesn't for us right now. And I think that's that's really important because, you know, parents know their children. They know what strategies are going to work for them. And I always think of the sort of parallel. Imagine how difficult or unmotivating it might be as adults if we were paid our salary all in one go, like once a year. I mean, it's the same amount of money that you get spread out over the year. Mm. It would be exceedingly difficult to, to work with that, wouldn't it? And it'd be really hard to budget and to manage. And actually, it might get really demotivating trying to go to work if you've already had your pay for the year. It, you know, it, that, that's a way of kind of scaling up, I think, and helping us understand. Because what we're trying mm. to teach children at this young age is to be motivated, to work towards a goal, to, to have that ability to strive for something. And we're reinforcing their behaviour as they do it. But it's a difficult lesson to learn. Mm.
Yeah, fantastic. Well, I'm really, really thrilled with your strategy. I mean, do you think as your daughter gets older, you might take a different approach to this? I think I'm going to have to really. I mean, she's got more she's got more into the virtual devices now that we've um, had to use them a lot more around the home. Um, and I think that she's definitely because her friends are more into that. Um, yeah the virtual accounts I think it, I think it goes with what her friends are doing really mm. and what she can seem to be a part of as we mentioned with the marble jars if the siblings are doing it she wants to be part of it and then I think it's the whole fear of missing out isn't it she wants what her friends have um, as well so yeah I think we'll definitely have to switch to it but quite how that's going to work I, I'm not sure whether we just have to load it onto a her iPad or, or another device mm. to keep the but, it, but then it's getting the right behaviour in place in order to, to manage it. So, Keely, I was just thinking, you know, it's been a bit of a tough year. I think that could be understatement of 2020. Um, and do you think the lockdown, your children learning from home, have it, having them at home when you're also trying to work, has, has made a difference to how you look at managing their behaviour, what kind of chores and tasks you've been asking them to do? Absolutely. I think it's definitely switched. Uh, there's different tasks and different chores that they're having to do now even if it's just as we mentioned before um, just please can you just be quiet for for an hour um, or please can you do this work because it's quite hard to get them to do the work when they've got all the fancy toys around them and even just logging on online um, it's really hard I w- I'm trying to keep them off the devices I don't really like them on devices that that much so when they're then having to do their work um, on devices because that's the way the work's been set it then becomes uh, more of a challenge to then peel them away from it because that's what they want to do for the downtime and then they just end up in front of a screen all the time so we've had to switch them and switch the reward to um, actually your reward isn't money anymore your reward would be to have downtime on your ipad rather than not so there has there has been a, a significant switch really into into how we manage their behavior definitely uh, less motivated by money and more motivated by devices, I think, mm. now. So, Keely, it's really interesting that you should say that because I've got some stats here from research done by Halifax looking at children 8 to 15 and how lockdowns had an impact on their behaviour at home, but also on their parents around kind of chores or household tasks at home. This really interested me because nearly two thirds of children have done general household chores for the first time during lockdown and 30 percent have taken their first steps into doing some gardening and 14 percent have been asked to look after a sibling. And I think being at home, trying to work from home and be together as a whole family has really changed parents' kind of approach to sort of, you know, how they manage children, whether they use pocket money or rewards or give them more chores to do. Do you think it's had an impact on how you guys have managed at home? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Even, as you said, look after other children. I would ask Violet if she could please look after um, her siblings whilst I was on a call, for example, or... Um, we would ask just to get them outside sometimes because it's quite being inside the four walls. Uh, yeah. We would try and ask water to clean up the apples from the yard at the front uh, that have fallen from the tree just to, to get him out and doing some physical activity outside. Yeah. Um, and then he would get a reward for that, albeit he quite enjoys doing that, really helping. Oh, yeah. and, and the one that really made me smile, and, I, and I'm really interested in your views on this, Keely, is the research said that just over half of the parents had actually paid their children 
to do the schoolwork that they were being set for home learning. Now, what I mean, you know, a bit of me goes, I, I really get it, I get that. But what, what's your take on it? Oh, to be honest, it reminds me of me doing my GCSEs when I was younger, that I would get paid for reward for, for my results, to be fair. Um, yeah. I don't, have I done that? I don't think I've done that. I don't think I've done that. I've begged them to do it. And then I've just generally used the, what do you think your teacher's going to say? Um, because they, they tend to do more for their teachers than they do for me sometimes. Um, that's, that's so true. But, it, but it's interesting that you mentioned your childhood. I mean, did, what, what do you remember growing up? Did you have regular chores to do? Did you get pocket money for them? What, what, because I think how we have grown up ourselves obviously really influences what we then do with our own children. Absolutely. I used to get Spence. Did they call it Spence back in the day? They called it Spence. We used to get Spence. How much Spence have you got? Um, and that would be but that would be pennies generally. I mean, I don't think it'd be more than a pound to be fair, but that would be weekly and it would all be encompassed with the, the trip to the paper shop that we used to call mm. it to get the papers and do the post. And in that shop, they had the one penny sweets. So oh, you could yes. spend your 50p, whatever it was you got given. It felt like a lot at the time because you got quite a lot in the little paper bag. Oh, the paper bags. Okay, Keely, the most important question of the day, what was your penny sweet of choice? Oh, it absolutely has to be the rhubarb and custard. Oh, yeah. See, now, see, for me, those were in the big jars. You could get those by the quarter. Those were kind of sh what I'd call the shakeout ones. I remember, for me, it was pink shrimps, not the bananas. Oh, the pink shrimp. Oh, not the banana. No. Could the bananas are bigger. You've got more for your money. <laughs> You're completely right. A, a pink shrimp was half a penny back then. I mean, I say this to my children now and they look at me bewildered. What's half of yeah. but, but, you know, I mean, we sort of joke a little bit about don't we, simpler times and when things were kind of easier and when you, you know, you took your pocket money in your hand, cash in your hand, coins down to the corner shop. And we had one, absolutely. And it would be pick a mix sweets. It might be a magazine. But actually, there were far fewer things that we could have spent our money on. I mean, mm. my sense is that it's quite different for children nowadays. I mean, what is your feeling about what your children want to spend their money on? Uh, toys. Generally, that's what they want is toys. Um, because there's so many adverts on television. There's so many YouTube unboxing videos that I want that. I want that. In fact, now, um, my four-year-old spends most of the time just saying to the television, I want that for Christmas. Please can I have that for Christmas. Please can I have that for Christmas. Yeah. Or can I have that for my birthday? My birthday. That's all I hear is coming from the other room generally because they just want what's being thrown at them. And I can't remember there being that many adverts um, growing up. So sweets is not something that, yes, they do want sweets, but not the penny sweets because there's just not that option really in the shops now. No. They get the big bags of sweets. And I and I think that what was sort of um, what was really desired was whatever the latest craze was, you know, the sort of playground crazes. There was definitely a yo-yos thing that went on when I was at school. I think one of the big soda companies, maybe Sprite or Coca-Cola, made yo-yos. And these were like the, the tricks you could do with these yo-yos. And also marbles were a bit of a vibe when I was at school. So you talking about your marble jar really takes me back. We'd have those kind of um, drains with the grates on them and you'd play marbles. So you were into what your friends had, what, what was being played in the playground. You're right. I don't think it was these big ticket items like children see nowadays. No. And, and a lot of it is now she wants money for gaming. So mm. Roblox, 
uh, can I buy this? I'm like, no, not wasting your money on that. But having said that, going back to our previous conversation, if that's what they choose to spend it on, how much can I regulate it? I yeah. just don't see value in an extra outfit that she can run around a virtual world in. Well, this is such a fascinating one, isn't it? Because it feels like in, in the space of our lifetime, this the landscape has changed dramatically. I mean, you know, we've gone from, you know, paper bags full of penny sweets to children now having much more, I don't know, buying power. I mean, it feels like a terrifying thing to say, right? And what they mm. can spend their money on is, is a, a world away from what we would have known. It's because if you're right, if they are buying a, um, a, a skin or, a, or an add-on or something for one of their games, you can't even see it. Unless you sit next to them and watch them play you've you've actually not seen what that money went on and I, and I can't be the only parent who can't sit and watch many many hours of gameplay so you know it, it's it's so intangible now and, it, and it's really hard I think for us to relate to as parents because you think that money was hard earned and now yeah and if you don't keep a track on you know if you don't have your parental controls in place I mean that can soon rack up the amount of uh, money that they're encouraged to spend on these games as well and that's such a tricky one, isn't it? Because I think the territory that this moves us into is thinking about the idea of kind of peer pressure. And this is nothing new. Let me tell you, right? This mm. is as old as time. The idea that you might want what some of your friends have got. So, you know, if you think about kind of how, how peer pressure impacts them online, you know, think about, well, I want this skin for this game. So-and-so's got it or so-and-so's got this mm. latest mod or this, this accessory. You know, it's not just them being influenced by things they see around them. Actually, the whole virtual arena offers another level of kind of them wanting to kind of keep up with what their friends have got all of which feels a little bit out of out of my sort of sphere I can't kind of keep track of it mm, I agree and it's not and then it's the next game and then they move on to the next game that they've suddenly someone's found and then it's what what else can I buy in that game and then the other yeah. one's forgotten about Yes. Oh, my goodness. The speed at which things move on. Yeah, yeah. That's that's mm. absolutely amazing. So do you think as a child, I mean, you know, do, do you remember wanting to have lots of things, having lots of kind of toys? Or do you think that you had a different sort of childhood experience to, to where your children are at now? I think it was very different. I think that you only waited till Christmas to get toys or mm -hmm. uh, your birthday, whereas now it's like a constant stream. Uh, as I mentioned before, the money that you would get was was pennies, really. And it was just to buy um, sweets. And I think if I got money for my birthday given to me, that would I wouldn't necessarily see it. It would get taken from me and put into an account. Uh, mm. I did have but I did have a money box. Um, and that was nice to see that, um, see your money in it. Uh, but, yeah, definitely different. I think that my children are, are perhaps somewhat in fact, very much spoiled. Uh, and as I mentioned before, just going around Tesco just to keep them quiet, I would, you know, give them the toy or the off the opportunity to get that toy should they keep quiet and have good behaviour. So I, I don't remember any of that happening. I remember being a lot more well behaved that I didn't need to have that happen. I don't know why I'm going wrong. <laughs> Did you have to do chores? Because I definitely remember this. And I my I have a very clearly been traumatized by this, a very vivid memory of having to do, I think, probably the chore that my parents hated. And I used to dread autumn coming around because my job would be to rake up the leaves in the garden. I mean, it's not, you know, we had a had a small garden and, and one large tree that belonged to the neighbor that overhung our garden. And it was my job to rake these leaves. And I just used to think it's like a never-ending supply. So look up at the tree and think, how can you have any leaves left? 
left. But this was my chore. Now, it wasn't always linked to pocket money. Sometimes it was just the job that I was allocated that I had to go and do. I mean, do you remember this? Mm. Did you have chores as a child? So I did, absolutely. Had some within the home, but some out, out of the home as well, such as um, you said, you mentioned yourself. Um, I was lucky enough to have opportunity to spend most of my time on the family farm. And uh, a lot of that was, even though there were chores, they were chores that were fun to do, such as feeding a lamb milk that hasn't got a mother and um, just generally playing about haymaking. We used to do haymaking where we would help, in inverted commas, by uh, trying to lift the bales up and just playing on all the bales of hay. So so they're a lot different to what my children have, albeit try to get them out as much as I can to just fields to run because that's what I don't think children have more now because of the onset of the virtual um and gaming they don't tend to run as much outside yeah I mean that is that is that the key to kind of you know getting their buy-in getting them on board finding things that they can do that are fun I mean I have to say getting involved in lambing and hay baling sounds absolutely brilliant yeah I was very lucky I think still an opportunity for that right now um to, for, for my children to 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 do that I, I don't often get as much chance to to visit the family farm as I as I would like uh, but yeah if I could get them incentivize them into making things fun around the home then I would absolutely do more of that yeah yeah definitely and, and if I think about my children one of the things that I thought was kind of quite helpful was to get them involved in chores that were particularly kind of meaningful in inverted commas for them i.e ones that related specifically to them and, and sort of making it slightly clear that this is not a task that I would be doing anymore it would be very advantageous for them to take over so I think about you know my children wanting to have packed lunches instead of school dinners I can't be the only parent out there who thinks that school dinners are, you know, the greatest gift to any parent in a busy morning. So if you'd like a packed lunch, that's absolutely fine. But that's going to have to be something you're going to construct yourself and just kind of trying to get them involved in tap into their natural, you know, self-preservation and say, well, if you'd like that done, this is maybe a chore that you could take on. Yeah, I, I, we just had that conversation this week, to be fair, with my nine year old, because they've started to have hot dinners again at school, which they had to... uh, prevent due to due to covid and uh it was well do you want these hot dinners um i'm going to you're now going to have these hot dinners or if you want the pat lunch you're going to have to do it yourself i've got enough going on in the morning to get you three ready that i don't i can't i can't be making a pat lunch so she's she started strong started strong um and uh i had a had a couple of days last week of her making her own and then now it's, oh, well, it's burger today. Can I have that instead? And then it's just suddenly creeped yeah. back in, these lazy behaviours. It's, it's amazing, isn't it, how you can sort of tap into their uh, motivational stream when you suddenly make them realise that it's something for them. But, but also mm. I think it gives them a bit of a clue as, as in how much work that parents do i mean how you know how some of these chores are time consuming and they've got to be done every day and you've got to be organized i you know in my house there was a there was a sort of general lack of appreciation i felt for the um task of ironing which i'm going to put my hands up and say i absolutely hate um and so when my son was of a safe enough age to have a go with the iron i definitely put him through a few rounds of ironing his school shirts and i feel <laughs> that his appreciation for my ability to complete that task for him went up because you yeah. know, he, oh, this is so fiddly and you've got to do it every time you wash the shirt and every time you wear it yeah 
that's a thing, right? So, you know, I think sometimes there's a lot to be learned life lessons wise in getting yeah. them their sleeves and, and getting hands on with this. I agree. I do need to do more. You just made me think, and I've just wrote down a few things that I need to start doing uh, a lot more, certainly so with Violet, because if Violet starts doing it at nine, then her younger siblings will definitely um, want to join in and get and understand that this is just the way it is now. That, that is music to my ears, Keely. And thank you so much for, for our chat today. It's been really interesting. And I think we've touched on all of the hot topics that parents up and down the country are facing. I suppose I'd want to say to parents, you know, this issue of chores and pocket money and, and rewards, there is no right way for this. I would say to parents, have a go. You know, get involved with this task. Think about what your child can get involved in helping with. Think about how you can introduce them to the ideas of managing some money at a young age because the lessons that they're going to learn for life and for managing money are really going to stand them in great stead. Thank you so much, Keely. Thank you, Elizabeth. Next time on the podcast, we'll be addressing the B word, budgeting. I'll be chatting to parents to find out how much kids actually know when it comes to the basic household spending. Join us next time on the Pocket Money podcast brought to you by Halifax. You can find all episodes of this series on iTunes and Spotify.